Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is presented by Stats Coach. Stats Coach is a hockey analytics company which works with the minor and junior hockey community. For more information, visit www.statscoach.ca or contact statscoach at outlook.com. Today we're going to talk with Alex Guinea, the general manager of the Port Hope Panthers and the assistant general manager and director of analytics for the Coburg Cougars. I met Alex a few years ago while working with the Thorold Athletics senior hockey team. We were both looking to get involved in hockey and learn a bit about hockey operations and different components of the game. Since then, Alex has shown great progression holding roles with a number of teams at the junior A level en route to his current positions in Port Hope and Coburg. I thought Alex would be a beneficial person to bring on the podcast as he brings useful insight on hockey operations but also presents a high level of authority and professionalism. Since day one, it was evidence that Alex possessed a passion for the game and was an up-and-coming hockey mind in the junior hockey ranks. Without further ado, here is Alex Guinea, the general manager of the Port Hope Panthers and the assistant general manager and director of analytics for the Coburg Cougars. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Alex Guinea, Assistant General Manager and Director of Analytics for the Coburg Cougars and GM for the Port Hope Panthers Junior C Hockey Club. Alex, thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Really great to reconnect with you. Yeah, it's great to hear from you. Uh, so I guess we'll just get right into it here. Uh, tell, people about where you, tell people about where you grew up and maybe a little bit about your upbringing. And at the same time, what was your involvement in sport from a young age? Um, so I, I'm from Toronto originally. I grew up in Etobicoke. Um, you know, I was a big hockey guy. I played hockey growing up my entire life. Um, I was never like prodigiously talented. I capped out at double A in the GTHL. Um, and then when I went to high school at St. Mike's, I kind of shifted my attention towards lacrosse. Um, played that a bit more as a, you know, was a bit more talented at that, played that at university. Um, but when I was at school, just kind of refound that passion for the game of hockey. And it sort of retook that primary focus in my life and, uh, you know, pursued it academically at Brock and um, started volunteering actively. And it's just sort of, you know, I've been lucky that things have worked out for me the way that they have. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you touched on Brock there. Just speak about your experience going into that program, what you thought about it going in and maybe how it held up as you went through the program. And then talk about how you actually got into hockey while spending time at that uh, university. Yeah, the, the program at Brock is fantastic. I mean, I don't want this necessarily to sound like a commercial for it, but uh, it really sort of um, changed my life in that it, you know, made a career in sports accessible to me. Uh, like, I was at Queens, I was about to graduate, um, was watching hockey deadline coverage and a housemate of mine, um, Andrew Stefanelli, uh, he was asking about the Bruins, their cap situation. And he's like, you know way too much about this just to be a casual fan. Like, you're working too hard for something that's providing no reward for you. So you should be, in, be interested in a career in it. And I'd sort of opened my eyes and that summer Dubas was hired by the Leafs. And I sort of realized that careers in sports weren't, you know, exclusive to former players and that something like that might be realistic and achievable for me, maybe not at that level, but to get involved in the game. Um, and I, you know, as I applied to Brock, I applied to Durham college. I got in, decided to go to Brock. Um, from there, I mean, the course was fantastic. The instructors are great. 
um, the course content is really tailored to, to stuff you'll use in, in the, um, you know, Professor Chard's uh, sport uh, analytics class was huge for me and got me into computer coding and really diving into that area of the game. And then understanding that through the course let me to led, led me to volunteer with the St. Catharines Falcons doing their uh, video clipping for Wes Wolf, who's now coaching in Erie. Um, volunteered with the Thorold Athletics, doing some breakdowns for them, videos, social media, stuff like that. Um, and then I guess the next step, like Brock even forced me into this path where I did a, uh, an internship in my senior year, so 2016, I think, with the Canadian Olympic Committee. And while I was there, um, I took an online course which said, to graduate, you have to interview two people in the field of your choice. Uh, so one of them I interviewed was uh, Rich Ritchie at St. Mike's. He's the general manager and head coach for the Buzzers, the junior A team. Um, we had a really great conversation and he just said, hey, do you want to come on as a volunteer? I don't know what it would be you'd be doing, but you know, you seem like you're passionate, you're interested. And I went to the high school, so he gave me a shot, sending me to league meetings to represent the team. And, you know, you just, you meet people through the game. And that's how you get, like, I met Dave DeMarinas there with Pickering. You know, we talked, he hired me the next day as their assistant GM, you know, working with them, met Frank Robinson with Trenton, he hired me there. And then, you know, Dave knew I was looking for a new challenge and opportunity this year and, you know, helped me come on board with Colbert. That's great. And, and like you said, experiences are, are, there's lots of opportunities out there and it's always good to get involved. And my buddy Alex Rotundo was saying that he was hoping you were going to bring up the Thorold Athletics senior hockey. That's actually where, where we yeah. met a few years back. So uh, yeah, yeah, good never... times with uh, Dave, Dave and, uh, and, Fran, um, and Rock, Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you never know where you're going to make connections in this industry. Uh, a yeah. little bit before, we were talking about a couple of other experiences you had early on. Uh, speak about your time with quantum sport management and uh, doing some goalie instruction and then maybe how that helped prepare you to work with some other, uh, some higher level players as you transition into junior hockey. Yeah, so I guess my first year at Brock, I, I didn't really, I wasn't sure if I wanted to work on the team side or the, the player side, I guess. So I tried out um, working with quantum sport management and they were great. Um, it was it was something where I got to the opportunity and it sort of forced me to go into the rings because I had a quota of games I had to hit every week. Um, so it kept me honest in pursuing it. Like I wanted to pursue a career in hockey, but having that obligation um, and that responsibility where other people are depending on you to do your job sort of really motivated me. Um, it, it eventually, you know, transitioned to more of a role where I was, you know, putting my thoughts to pen and paper to the keyboard uh, for their blog and putting out, you know, just my thoughts. Uh, and it became a really awesome creative outlet for me. And then um, to pursue, you know, whether I liked coaching, I just decided to, I was a former goaltender. So I worked at a goalie school, uh, Dehan goaltending with Nick Dehan there, uh, working with some young guys, just, you know, trying to foster the passion for the game with kids and develop sound technique with uh, young goaltenders. And did that for a summer, which was awesome because it was, you know, it was really flexible with my schedule. I was able to work other jobs. Um, and it really just kind of, for me, laid out the path that I wanted to work on the management side, the team side. I wanted, you know, I didn't necessarily want to work with an individual athlete or coaching. That wasn't really my mental makeup. Mine was more, I enjoyed writing those blog posts and putting critical thinking into action. And that sort of focused me. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, 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 while that might be ultimate goal, it's always good to get those experiences in and, and work with the younger players and, and ultimately apply that in your critical thinking. Absolutely. Like, um, 
you know, like junior hockey organizations, as I'm sure you know, are just, you know, you've got probably 10, 15 staff members and everybody does a little bit of everything, right? So uh, my first year in Trenton, I was the business manager, but I helped out with, you know, rookie camp, summer development league, recruiting for that. Um, you know, it's many hands make a heavy load light. We're all rowing the same boat. So, I mean, your job doesn't end where your job description stops. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. That's definitely the fact for at all levels, I think, right up until the NHL, you're, you're obviously getting hands in different parts of the pot. Yeah, but I mean, it's such a fan, like, you're a team on the ice and you're a team off the ice, right? So you, you yeah. buy in, you believe in the messaging that's coming from ownership and from, you know, management about you and you do everything you can. Your 23 best players on the ice are great, but if there's not a management team booking ice and, you know, all the supporting things, bringing in the fans to support the organization, equipment, things, it's, it's, it requires everybody within the organization, players and staff, to really work at it and sacrifice and do everything that's needed. Yeah. I agree 100%. Uh, so let's look at your time uh, when you got into Pickering there in your first uh, assistant GM with the Pickering Panthers. What was your initial experience yeah. transitioning into uh, that part of Junior A and how was that first year there? That was awesome. We had – there was such a good energy with that team and I think credit goes to Dave DeMarinas on that one. He was the head coach and GM there. He's now the head coach uh, in Coburg where I'm working now. So clearly, you know, we, we clicked too. Um, he gave me my start in junior A, but that team was a, a, a bunch of rookies. We had a 16-year-old goaltender, Ethan Langevin, um, who sort of took the net at the end of the year. And we had a lot of young guys, Jake, uh, Jacob Roach with Guelph this year. He was on that team. Um, and we were, we were greater than the sum of our parts. I mean, I got that job sort of by hook or by crook. Um, I was representing St. Mike's at a meeting. and um, just as a volunteer, right? And I'm sitting there taking my notes, but working on my analytics project for Brock on the side, or I was doing an OHL draft model. And uh, he kind of asked me some questions, asked me about players they had signed and how they rated. And, um, you know, just from that, like picking my brain on, um, on players and just sort of built the relationship that we have today. That's great. And, and like you said, you know, you really never know where these opportunities, it always comes back to the same fact that you just got to be in the right place at the right time and make those key connections. And I mean, even today with Goldberg, you're still getting those opportunities from, from a key connection you made early on. Yeah. And like, I made that connection in 2017. So three years later, I mean, it's not like I made the connection then thinking oh, in three years it'll pay off, but just I think exposing yourself to as many experiences possible. Like everybody has their, I was at the right moment at the right time story. And the more you can put yourself out there, yeah. Um, to be found, I think. Same thing with players, right? You can't just play the one game or count on a scout showing up to watch you. You got to play every game of the season hard because you don't know when he's going to be there to see you. Definitely, because it's that, that one game that you take off is where the eyes come on you, and then then you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Um, so after Pickering, you moved to Trenton, and you said, as you touched on before, it was kind of a little bit of a different role at first. Yeah, yeah. I, I came on originally as the manager of business ops. So I sort of, I worked with John McDonald, the director of operations there and, um, you know, ticket sales, social media, marketing, community involvement, a um, little bit of hockey, but not, not as much as I was in Pickering for sure. Um, but I, Frank Robinson, he's a, a scout there. He scouts for Saginaw as well. He really kept me involved and when he knew I wanted to do more hockey stuff, he would send me, you know, here's the, you know, 
rosters for two teams. I want you to go out and put a list together. Who's your list for this league? Who's your list for that on your list for that league? And, um, and really fueled my passion and sort of gave me again, another motivation to be out in the rinks and, and working hard. And I can't thank him enough for, for his support that year and, and involving me in that aspect of it. Yeah. We hear it from my conversations, at least with different people, a lot of times those veteran scouts, really are key in helping people in hockey operations, just keeping you motivated. You see them go into the, the countless hours in the rinks. You know, it's not a pretty job, but but watching yeah. them do their work and, and then learning from them, you really realize if you want to be in this industry, you really have to put in the effort and, and the time ultimately. Well, I, yeah, I mean, this industry is everybody's dream. And if you're not willing to work for your dream, the next guy down the road is, right? Um, yeah, Frank and, and, and Sab, Jim Saverin would take me, pick me up for road trips. And when he's scouting for Saginaw, he'd bring me along and just ask me my thoughts or when he was scouting for Trenton, the same thing, or he'd say, I can't make it to Belleville to watch the Red Devils. I want you to go and send me a text who you liked, who you didn't like. He, yeah, I can't thank him enough for that. It was, that was really great. Yeah. Those mentors are, are really great, uh, for progressing in the <laughs> industry. So now looking at more present day, you're now with Coburg and you also have taken on a general manager role at the junior C level. Uh, I guess what my question for you is what was your idea, idea in taking that step? Maybe some people might view it as stepping down a level, but you're ultimately gaining more responsibility with the general manager role. And what are you most excited for moving forward with these positions? Yeah, that's a great, I, I, um, I don't know if it, I would classify it as a step down yeah. per se, just because, um, like I was an assistant GM in Trenton and I'm assistant GM in Coburg and I just added additional responsibilities. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, there are, even speaking with players, there are people who say it's junior C, it's not junior A, and that's a, that's a sticking point for them. My counter to that, though, is, you know, it's a great quote by Ryan Hardy, but pick a program, not a league. Um, our program in Port Hope is, is the past two years haven't necessarily, they haven't finished the season in the standings where we've wanted to be but we're really proud of the track record of developing players and advancing them on to the next level. Uh, like Ethan Robertson was the goalie in Port Hope um, two years ago, not this past season, the year before. And he was a, a big contributor in Coburg this season. Uh, he was an OJHL first team, all rookie OJHL invited to the OJHL top prospects game. Uh, the year before that, um, Graham Dickerson with the uh, Kitchener Rangers, you know, as a 16 year old shredded that lead for Port Hope. Um, it's definitely a program that has a really strong track record of advancing players and staff. And that's what I'm looking for. Um, it's nice to have, you know, be able to build a program in the image that you, you, you believe in um, while also maintaining that tie to junior A because the two organizations have a, a strategic alliance. So we sort of function okay. as, as sister organizations, um, you know, working together, sharing resources, and then, you know, obviously having the Port Hope players typically affiliate with the Cobra Cougars. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like the interview we did uh, our past podcast with Trevor Murphy mm -hmm. and working with the Toronto Maple Leafs as an ECHL affiliate, you know, you're constantly, uh, you know, sharing resources and working together. And even though in his, in that situation, they're ECHL, they still play at a high level. They're still viewed as a, a top development team and they're seeing players go to the AHL and even NHL. So like Ryan Hardy said in that quote, and like you spoke to, it's, it's uh, some people might view it as a step back or a step down, but if, if you look at it the right way and take it for what it is, it's really an opportunity to develop and, and, you know, progress your hockey, uh, hockey career for many people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like the partnership with Coburg is, you should be attracted to kids. I mean, 
you have the opportunity to take on a greater role and greater opportunity with a team like Port Hope, whereas you, you might get a different role in Coburg based on your, your skill level. So it's an opportunity to get the reps. It's an opportunity to be around, like our staffs are really integrated. I sit in on all the Coburg meetings, obviously, as assistant GM, so I know what's going on there. Um, no, the, the partnership is great, and it's something we really take advantage of in sort of pitching, you know, you want to spend a year in Port Hope and then play for the Cougars the next year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next thing I guess we'll talk about is what does a typical day look like for you in hockey operations? Obviously with COVID-19, the today's role doesn't look like it does mid season or, you know, on a game night, but uh, when you go into the rink, say on a game day or, or you're doing a practice, or whatever, what, what does your operation look like? What does your role consist of? On a game day? Yeah. I have it on a game day. Um, I, to be honest with you, we haven't had one in Cobra yet, so I couldn't tell you. Um, in Trenton, I can, I can go back to last year. It was a little different than it will be this year, but um, like it, it'll highlight the fact that it, so much effort goes in from so So I get up at 9 a.m. and I drive to Belleville, uh, pick up 35, you know, 473 milliliter chocolate milks for the boys after the game. I drive yeah. them to Trenton, throw them in the fridge, pop up to the print shop, pick up our programs for that night. Um, and any other marketing literature we needed, uh, any coaches' cards if we were out, yada, 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 stall tags if we had acquired a new player, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd go up to the box office and I'd sit there from, you know, 11 until 3 o'clock selling walk-up tickets until uh, the volunteers arrived. And the volunteers peeled me off. I'd print off our game day op script. So for our announcer, for our um, – our promotional hits, like uh, you know, our power play sponsors, all the messaging they wanted going out. Yeah. Um, I'd get that done. I'd uh, you know prepare our 50-50, so getting our – we had an electronic 50-50, so setting that up. And then typically by that time, you're around 5, 5.30, players are starting to roll in. They may need things, you know, I want tickets, mom and dad are coming or whatever, so dealing with that. And then, uh, and then the fans start rolling in, and then you're really in it, and it's just, you know um, – I would set up the banners, tables, merchandise, whatever, tear that down at the end of the night, um, you know, do the financial recap for ownership, um, pay the officials, staff, things like that. So it was a busy night. It's probably a 9 a.m. You tell you get home at 1130. Yeah. Um, this year, I think it'll be more hockey operational. So it'll be less, um, you know, we've got a fantastic staff in Colbert that take care of all of the game day ops already. Um you know they're just great people and meeting them and talking with them already so um, I won't be leaned on as heavily there um, which is nice so I'll be able to more sit down and evaluate the players and focus on improving our play on the ice definitely but I, I think it goes to show that if, if you want to work in this industry and especially at the junior level you really have to be willing to do everything and anything oh absolutely like there there's there's so many it, it, you don't want to say it's like beneath you, but there's so many little errands and, and, and nitty gritty details that go into running a hockey program. And, you know, if you're not willing to, to, hip, to chip in and help out, like it doesn't make any sense. And, and to be honest with you, like as the guy doing sponsorship, it made the most sense, even though it wasn't in my job description for me to go to the dairy, you know, see them poke my face in. Oh yeah, I think we're going to win tonight. This is who we're playing. Yada, yada, pick up the milk and build, continue to build that relationship in the community because that stuff is critical to operation of hockey at this level. 
Yeah. And you definitely have to build a, like as much as the on ice product is from the coaching staff and whatever, but at the end of the day, you've got to have that initial foundation, the community support, and you got to have your sponsors on board and, and everybody has to be clicking at the, at the same speed to really get the results that you're looking for at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, like I said earlier, it's a team effort both on and off the ice. Definitely. So we're going to kind of switch gears now. And I know you've uh, started working with analytics in WHL uh, in addition to your work at junior hockey. Why don't you just tell us about a bit, uh, sorry, a bit about that and then maybe why that sparked your interest. Um, yeah, no, I, I've always been interested in analytics. When I was at um, Brock, like I said, I did an independent study project based on projecting players through the minor midget draft. So, um, you know, re quantifying relative league, league strength between the SCTA, GTHL, yada, yada, yada. Um, and uh, when I was in, I, you know, it didn't make sense to do something publicly about Ontario teams working in Ontario because our league does have OHL drop downs and you don't want to be putting out information that might, you know, reveal your team's position on a player if he becomes available. Um, so looking at, you know, and also wanting to work in major junior, it didn't make sense to me to focus only on one of the three leagues. Like I want to work in major junior because I believe I can, I can help a hockey club. Um, so my girlfriend's from out West. Um, we visited out there, her grandparents, um, her, her uncle worked in the BCHL. So it was just a natural fit where that league really interested me. Um, it's unique in that it has a, a Bantam rather than a minor midget draft. And um, I started putting together a model for player projection. Um, if you look, go on the Twitter account, you can see I built a model for point projection and running point projection throughout the year. Um, just sort of to try things, you know, just to explore. And I felt like if I did it publicly, I'd be obligated to continue to do it. If I did it privately, I could get busy and take a break. Whereas if it was publicly available, um, teams could see my track record, my, you know, my commitment to it, how yeah. often I'm working at it, but also the public could sort of, Hey, haven't seen anything from you in a week. What's up and push me to do it. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and for anybody getting analytics, you know, it, it can be a little bit challenging at first, but, if you do it right and you're really passionate about it, it can, uh, it can be a fun experience oh, but absolutely. to follow up on that. Where would you look for, for advice or guidance or, you know, there's always new types of analytics coming out and new research. Is there any go-to books or go-to people that you kind of maybe look for reference or try to find some new analytics, et cetera? Oh God, that's a great question. <laughs> Um, I guess the, the OG and the first and foremost was Rob Bowman's that shot, right? I think we, you and I both read that yeah. last year at Brock there. Um, geez, I, let me look at my bookshelf. I have no idea. Yeah, there's just, there's so many references out there and you, you look at the ISIL hack analytics conference and, and there's different people doing work. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's people at the CHL level, the NHL level, mm -hmm. just coming out with new things. Yeah. They're all of value. Um, to, to me, it's mostly just Twitter, to be honest with you. Dom Lechizian, um, The Athletic is now at The Athletic, but even before was fantastic. Um, Sean Ferris, uh, all of those big guys in, on Twitter, I follow regularly just to get ideas from. Um, you know, the, the, the most sincere compliment is flattery. So when you see someone with a great idea, you think if you can improve it or work with it, I mean, it helps your hockey club. That's an easy way to learn and get better. Um, there's, you know, Twitter's such a great resource that way in terms of just everybody's being so 
thoughtful and intelligent in that community more or less and sharing their ideas and cultivating a real uh cultivating discourse about it so i think that's great yeah for sure uh, um so when you tie them all together what you've learned at the whl level and then obviously what you see at the junior a level where do you see analytics fitting in and do you think it's maybe still not at the level of maybe the nhl or do you think players and teams are starting to really grasp it um yeah i mean i i, I just because of it being you know not teams not having the same analytics budget as maybe an NHL team might have. It's probably not there. I can't think of any um, junior A teams, at least in our league, that have a full-time person whose focus is specifically and exclusively analytics, whereas NHL clubs do. Um, but I think the teams that have someone doing that tend to get a bit of an edge. Um, it's it's growing. Like there are. There's the old guard still exists where, you know, they believe in numbers, but specific numbers and ones that they understand and can communicate to players. And, and there's definitely value in that. You can't, uh, you know, talk to a player about some high level math that they might not understand or it gives them no feedback. Like you got to give them um, like growth points, like ways that the statistics um can be interpreted and lead to actionable things that they can do to improve their game. Um, but no, I, like on the whole, I think the community is really receptive to it, uh, especially at this level. I think everybody's interested and wants to hear people out and kind of welcome new ideas. It's just, you know, budgetarily, junior hockey is junior hockey and we don't have staffs of 30, 20 people, you know? <laughs> That's for sure. There can definitely be some limitations there, but you make do and people are adaptable and learning and you're seeing it growing across the, the board, whether it be a junior B, junior C, junior A yeah. and up to the OHL. Uh, yeah. Like um, our team brings on a, co a company that provides us raw data, which we interpret. And from our coaching staff here in Coburg, I get questions regularly based on, if you look back at last season, where do these players compare? Um, you know, what are their, what are their strengths, weaknesses, things like that. And it, working with Dave, Pat Shear, uh, Josh McGuire, Bob Breckles, our staff here, everybody seems really bought into that as a, as a, a vehicle for evaluating players and the deployment of players. So, um, I, yeah, it's really, I think the acceptance of it is permeated down to this level. It's just now, um, people have to want to volunteer at teams to do this and, and hopefully they will. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's something we're seeing more and more, especially at the OHL level. We still get calls every day. You know, kids are looking to, whether they're in university or, or whatever stage of their career they're in, they're looking for an opportunity. Uh, as much as the staff has to buy in, you, you ultimately got to see the players buy in. From your experience, mm -hmm. obviously, without uh, going too deep into it, what, uh, what has been the players' acceptance of analytics and have you has there been different ways to kind of portray that data or how has that placement been the funny way to say it is if their numbers are good they like it and if their numbers are bad they don't but it's a little more nuanced than that um i think it depends player to player uh, the mo so an example being um dustin mcfall played on our 2017 2018 pickering panthers team uh when dave and i worked together there and he was a guy that every Tuesday he'd come into the rink after our weekend games and say, what were my, what were my numbers? What were my numbers? And he'd want to know, because I think it was something where he drew motivation from it. And when we looked at his numbers and how he did relative to his peers on the team, I think he sort of 
he, he wanted to be the best. He was driven, and that's why he was selected in the NHL draft. Um, uh, some players aren't as familiar with it, and to be honest with you, I don't blame them for that. It's the numbers don't really affect or or really influence, I think, how they approach the game. They play the game as they've been coached to do it, and they do, and they put in the most effort possible. And then from that, we glean results, and we try and you know our feedback loop is you know. Coaches tell the player to play a specific way. The player plays that way. We get the results. The results are given to the coaching staff. The coaching staff then reinterprets how they want that player to play and coaches that player to play that way. Yeah. Um, that's our feedback circle. And, uh, you know, the players don't – the players understand the metrics in terms of their impact on their performance and how that might impact their point production and then theoretically their opportunity for advancement. So they buy in really well. And I give them real credit for that, for understanding that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't need a, I don't need a, a centerman to know how to project points or to determine the value of a goal and standings points. I just need them to give me to trust in our coaching staff and the direction they're, they're pushing our team and to give 110%. That's all I need. For sure. And, and having that acceptance and, you know, players allowing, you know, you always say you want a player that's coachable. So that's just another faucet to help them improve their game. And yeah, and as, as it becomes more, ingrated like in the system from a younger level these players are going to be more accepting and I, I think we're going to see it even more uh utilized at the junior level uh, absolutely I, more the longer I'm in the league here the more and more players ask me about it um they definitely care and that and appreciate the feedback um and it's important for them like if there's a certain aspect of their game where we can see they're underperforming and then that's hurting their overall game it's very easy to tell a player, look, you were, do you were playing very well, but it is this element of your game we're going to work on for the next few weeks to get you to where to your peak performance. And at the end of the day, that's what they want. And this is another resource to hone in on areas of, for improvement and, uh, and put them in a position to succeed. For sure. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. At a young age, uh, you know, you've, you've been in multiple positions in junior A hockey and junior C and, you know, we spent some time in senior A and, and all these different facets of the game. Uh, Suitcase. <laughs> yeah. uh, who would you say helped you along the way? Or were there some, you know, were there vital mentors or people that you really leaned on early on or even today? And, uh, yeah, what were some maybe the most important moments of your career thus far, maybe some key learning points? Um, yeah, it's, it's great. There's a lot of people. Like, um, I'm going to feel bad because as soon as we're off here, I'm going to remember five names that I should have thanked. Um, I guess it really starts with Wes Wolf uh, in, in St. Catharines. That was my first sort of volunteer position in hockey. He brought me on not knowing me from Adam and just, you know, taught me how to use Steva to clip video for them. Um, had me do a couple projects on shot generation based off zone entries, things like that, that informed our tactics. He's a really innovative and, and, and intellectual guy. Um, Rocky Venditti and, and David and, and Thorold. I mean, Rocky and I still text every now and again. It's a good friendship. And they were guys that sort of, when I was looking for direction in my career, sort of talked me through different options and gave me guidance. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Rich, Richie and St. Mike's just giving me the opportunity to get involved in junior A. Dave for, you know, helping me make the transition from volunteer to employee. Um, and then Frank exposing me to, you know, the behemoth of Trenton and all that goes with that and running a, you know, a championship caliber organization day in, day out on and off the ice. 
and uh, and you know, and even John McDonald, Pete Goulet, and I learned a lot from Pete Goulet in terms of the way he treats his players, the his commitment to recruiting um, and relationship building. He's truly a first class guy and does everything the right way. And um, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to work with fantastic people, you know, throughout my exposure in hockey and. Everybody has been a part of my journey from even the volunteers who supported me in doing my job and allowed me to flourish. Um, Daryl Mitten uh, at Trenton, the volunteer coordinator, Bob Graham, the volunteer uh, in Pickering, Doug Carr, the guy who hopped in and started doing the gate so I didn't have to do it in Pickering also. There, there, there are, everybody I've worked with has been a class act and really good people and uh, have really facilitated and helped me get to where I am today. And I, they owe, I owe them so much thanks, gratitude, I really do. Yeah, it really it really does take community to to go through hockey operations and and everyone I've spoken with there's always these key individuals and and even more that you think about like you said uh, 10 minutes after you create yeah, the list. Yeah, like, I'm already picking myself for John Reciproco, the security coordinator at Trenton. Um oh shit, shoot, there's so many like there yeah. it's it's really unending. So yeah, no, we'll definitely have to put them in the comments of the Twitter feed just to get them all in there. Uh, so on top of all those people that you've uh, worked with and uh, the people you've interacted with over the years, uh, what are some of the most important lessons you've learned along the way, whether it be something you learned maybe st- while you're still playing or even up till today, you know, navigating through COVID-19? What are some of the most important lessons? Um, I think... It's kind of, it, may, it might be cliche, but a lot of like one of the big lessons is stay positive, you know, um, you know, circumstances may be beyond your control, but your effort level isn't. So that might mean, you know, during COVID, uh, more phone calls, you know, making sure we reach out to our sponsors and knowing, hey, look, we understand this is a tough time for you. So, you know, we're not, we're going to wait and hopefully the things will get better. How can we support you? Can we advertise that you're open for delivery? Can we advertise that you're open for takeout? How can we help you? Um, a lot of, you know, checking in and relationship building in the community, but also even, you know, it's tough to go out and see players and recruit. So it's more Zoom calls, more over the phone. I mean, you can't meet, have staff meetings per se at the rink because the rink's not open. So um, setting aside time for Zoom calls every other evening, um, you, you can control that because that's the work you put in, right? You can't control when the OHF may lift restrictions for sport. You can't control that COVID happened at all. Um, but you can control your response and the effort you put in uh, in the interim. And I think the teams that really work right now, as opposed to, you know, pack up their tent and wait for things to get better are the teams that are going to be poised to be successful when we're, when we're through this. So um, be positive and control your work ethic. Um, my other advice is, and it's a lesson I've learned is honestly just get involved, put yourself in a position to be noticed. Um, if you go to an organization and you do good work and it is, it helps someone reach the next level, even if it's not you, that person will, you know, hockey is a, a very close knit community. That person will, you know, be a guide for you and a reference and help you reach your objectives because you help them. So there's a lot of uh, cooperation and, and mutual assistance and respect. I think that's, that's a huge thing. Definitely. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, everybody in junior hockey, you just want to see the players succeed and reach that next level. So that's, yeah, that's for a lot of levels. That's, that's why you do it at the end of the day to see them make that jump. And it's, uh, yeah. it's a fun experience to be part of at, at any level below the NHL. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no prouder moment when, 
you know, you're, I'm watching the NHL draft in 2018 and you see Dustin McFall's name pick, uh, called by the Boston Bruins. And you go, damn, you know, I, I worked with that guy for a year, you know, I'm Dave and TJ Hill, Alex Clements, they put in the work on the ice coaching him, but to be around that guy and see his commitment and take him from a kid out of midget to an NHL draft pick is so gratifying to see guys, Michael Manera go off to school after finishing the 18-19 season in Trenton, um, to see Anand Overoy, our goalie in Trenton the past two years, get a commitment to go to U of O. Like you, you, uh, Cameron Gaylor, Sam Duchesne going to Brock, you know, going back to my alma mater. You, you feel so proud of these guys and so happy that you were a part of what got them that opportunity to play, continue their hockey playing career. Yeah, and, and at that age, there's so many decisions that have to be made. And, you know, they're just starting to really progress from kids into men. And, and maybe you can touch on it a little bit more if you've been around a couple of different teams. What's it like, uh, you know, interacting with players on a daily basis at that age and, you know, maybe helping them navigate their way through, whether it be school or other life decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, in Trenton, I was one of, I was probably the younger, youngest staff member, at least that first year by, at least, you know, at least a decade. So, um, I think being close enough in age, you can somewhat relate to what they're going through. Like I'm not, I'm removed, but not so far removed from selecting a university and, and embarking on that next chapter in my life. So, um, when guys talk about Brock, you know, I can give my input, Queens, the same thing. Um, Having played varsity sports, I can also speak to, you know, the commitment, the hours, you know, what studying is like, uh, managing that while you're on the road for games. Um, you know, I just, I, all of the kids that we've had in the programs that I've been a part of, I've been lucky and they've been class acts and good people. Um, so you, you, you want to help them, right? Selfishly, you want to help them from your program. So your program has a reputation of advancing players and, and recruits want to come. But at the end of the day, it's more about that relationship with that kid that you've built over a few years. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it really fills you with pride to see them advance. And the young guys, they get so excited. And I, get to, I got to work with them in Trenton, taking them out to volunteer every week, reading to elementary school kids. Um, take them to hospital events to raise money for that, you know, sending them to um, fashion shows to walk models down runways. Like you get to do these things with the kids where you get to see their personality come out. And because you're a fellow young guy too, I think they sort of, they might disassociate from the fact that you're management and they get to sort of, you know, let their true personality loose and, and it creates a really positive environment where all of a sudden it's not a volunteer obligation. It's a chance to be with your team and bond. Yeah, and, and it's, it's cool to see them really progress in their personalities and maturity. You know, you get some kids that are coming in as an AP and then they're leaving as an overager. It's, you know, it's, that's a vital point in their lives and you're seeing them really grow as people. So it's, it's yeah. a great time to be around them. Yeah, like especially, you know, if they're a billet and they're living away from home and they, you know, their support network is somewhat removed it's still there but it's not as accessible so you kind of become that for them so when they have problems or need to vent they come to you um and i think that's what makes those relationships so enriching is that you get to help these young men reach their maximum potential and and achieve their dream of continuing their hockey career yes definitely i guess the final question i have for you is uh what advice do you have for others looking to progress in hockey operations you know whether it be where to get involved or uh, maybe something you learned early on that 
should be a good first step? Like, is there anything that comes to mind in that regard? Um, I mean, I can only speak to my, uh, my, what benefited me and that was being actively involved, seeking out opportunities, uh, not cold calling per se, but just emailing teams, hey, I'm available. Um, here's a sample of my work. Uh, I'm interested in doing something like this. Um, there, I mean, uh, I'm not a guy that advocates necessarily working for free, but at the same time with the budgets that these teams have, be, be open-minded. Um, if you are doing that, make sure you're credited on their website and you get some recognition. Um, I've never turned away someone who wanted to volunteer or shadow and learn the business. I think that's a great way. Um, volunteering and meeting people and shadowing, going to conferences, things like that are great because um, a lot of positions in this industry are not necessarily publicly posted. Um, it's hard to find. Like I never saw a posting for general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs that was handled internally. So knowing people and, and building a resume and connections sets you up for when there's an opening to seize your opportunity. So that was my experience. I can't say it's the best thing for everybody. Um, no one path is the right way for everybody to go. Everybody's, you know, unique and has different access to different opportunities but for me it was getting my foot in the door volunteering doing what was necessary and needed um and you know learning skills along the way like i, I now know how to use steva because i volunteered with the falcons um i now know you know how to uh, all of these different things you know website management i learned for interning at the uh, olympic committee running olympic.ca uh or not running but helping manage that <laughs> can't take too much credit that we had a great team there. I was just uploading results and what have you. Um, but just getting involved, like I said, you, you never know which connection is going to pay off. You never know. So treat everybody with respect, give everybody your time and, and just support each other. Like I'm, I'm pretty generous. I think with my time, I hope to be um, because people were generous with theirs and that's what got me here. So you just got to pay it back. Yeah, paying it back. I mean, I think uh, everybody is fortunate uh, to move up in hockey. When you look behind you and just people following a similar path, you always want to try to, you know, give them a helping hand and you never know someday they might turn it around and give it back to you. Yeah. And, and it's not, it, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be as self-serving as that. I mean, like, like we said, these organizations require so many people to, to make them go from the box office selling tickets to the billets, the billet coordinator, volunteer coordinator, you know, timekeepers. And these are people who don't generally donate their time. You know, they, they believe in the organization and the value it brings to their community. Um, so you really do have to pay it back and, and give opportunities to these people. They, if you're passionate about sport and you want to get involved, whether it's you know, marketing and social media and graphic design, or if it's analytics, I mean, there are teams out there that will want to bring you on board. Um, any help is good help, <laughs> more yeah. or less. Yeah. So, um, especially if you have a, a unique and a unique skill set, like you know, comprehension of advanced statistics or uh, understanding Adobe and photo editing, um, you're 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 a resource and you're a valuable resource to a team and any team that wouldn't want to bring someone on board with a skill set like that is is missing out. So uh, my advice would be, like I said, volunteer, give yourself as many opportunities as possible and be positive. You know, you're not going to get every job you apply for. You really, it, it, There's a lot of rejection involved, but 
internalize the fact that you know you have a skill and you know you bring value, whether it's through your work ethic or some unique skill like analytics or graphic design or what have you, and just keep pushing. It's, that's what worked for me. Get involved, keep pushing. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, so if anyone wanted to reach out to you or look to get involved with the Cougars or uh, with Port Hope, where, uh, where would they contact you? Um, yeah, it's, it, there'd be a number of ways. I'm not, email would be great. Uh, my personal email is available on both our team web. I, maybe it's only Port Hope's website, but that's available there. Uh, AlexGuinea1 at gmail.com. You can email info at Cobra Cougars, uh, that email address, which is on our website, and that gets directed to me or DM myself or one of the teams, Port Hope or Coburg, on Twitter. Um, I'm a pretty accessible guy that way. Um, I think that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, uh, just because it allows me to respond when I have a moment. Um, but I encourage you, yeah, if you're looking for an opportunity in junior A hockey or junior C hockey, um, I'm, we're always looking to bring on great people with unique and diverse skill sets. So, Perfect. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to uh, come on the podcast. And uh, I hope that very soon, Junior A and Junior C Hockey, along with the rest of the hockey world, will be back in full motion. And I hope you have great success moving forward. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you having me on. And good luck with the podcast. I appreciated uh, the opportunity to chat and catch up. That's great. All right. Take care, Alex. You too. I want to thank Alex for coming on the podcast and providing his insight on junior hockey and his day-to-day work. I think Alex is a great example of someone who is willing to do everything and anything to succeed, and after speaking with him about his early career and his progression in hockey operations, it's clear that others feel the same way. If you want to get in contact with Alex, or if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to contact him directly or email hockeymindspodcast at outlook.com and we can make that connection for you. I also encourage you to follow his WHL Analytics work on Twitter at WHL underscore analytics as it is another outlet for Alex to showcase his thoughts and ideas. Next on the podcast, I'm looking forward to speaking with James McGregor, who has worked in scouting and hockey operations at both the OHL and NHL level, so be sure to tune in for that interview on our next episode. Thank you again to everyone that followed us on Twitter, reached out, and provided feedback following our initial guest episode with Trevor Murphy. Hopefully we can continue to present interesting and insightful interviews and showcase the careers of those in hockey operations. With that, I just want to say thank you for listening, stay safe, and all the best.